listening to Conversations with a Musicologist with me, Alex Burns. Episode 6, a German update. This episode includes an update on the German-speaking musical greats project with German specialist Freya Riding, plus a look back at what composers we have covered so far in the project. Throughout the German-speaking musical greats project, me and Freya have covered a range of composers, from Paul Hindemith to Hildegard von Bingen, Here's a recap of the composers and pieces we have covered in the project so far. It all started with Paul Hindemith back in October, where blogs were written on symphonic metamorphosis on themes of Karl Maria von Weber, Plurner Musiktag, Trauer Music and the Trombone Sonata, all very diverse pieces that effectively show Hindemith's unique style of writing. November brought the silver screen with soundtracks by Hans Zimmer. We covered soundtracks from The Lion King, Dunkirk, Pirates of the Caribbean and Gladiator, all quintessential Zimmer and all with a special story to tell. December saw the biggest challenge of the project so far. St Hildegard von Bingen's choral music is some of the most sought after in the world. We covered O Frondens Verger, Alleluia O Verger Mediatrix, O Verger Act Diadema, Come Eruberant and O Turner Deus. It was really fascinating to explore religious texts and various language barriers while writing about Hildegard. To see in the new year, we explored Johann Strauss II in January 2020, covering famous works such as Tausend und Dynanacht, The Blue Danube Waltz, Trish Trash Polka and Die Fledermaus Overture. This was a really enjoyable month for the both of us, with classic orchestral waltzes right at the heart of it. February was the month of Ruth Schoenthal. We'll find out more about her in the interview with Freya later on in this podcast. We covered a real range of works from Schoenthal, most of which involved the piano. March is the final month of the project, which will cover the birthday boy himself, Beethoven. It will be great to join in with the world to pay our dues to the master himself. I caught up with Freya earlier this month to discuss the life and works of Ruth Schoenthal. So for this podcast, I'm joined by the very same German specialist Freya Riding to talk all things German, including the music of Ruth Schoenthal and February's instalment of our German-speaking musical greats project. So thanks for joining me again, Freya. Let's talk about February's composer of the month, Ruth Schoenthal. What made you include her in this project? I wanted to include Ruth Schoenthal because her music seems to be so strikingly contemporary. I think her music um, has lots of layers to it and there's always deeper meaning um, to her pieces themselves. I guess she she was a really nice compliment to some of the other composers that we've done as well, being a bit more contemporary than definitely, definitely. And 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 after the Strauss month as well, probably quite a stark contrast, really, in the grand scheme of things. And when I was uh, researching about Ruth for this project, it came to light that she had this really bizarre connection with one of our other German-speaking musical greats, Paul Hindemith. Um, was this a coincidence, or did you plan this? <laughs> uh, this was completely coincidental, but uh, a very happy coincidence at that. Um, so when you were researching, you discovered that Paul Hindemith had um, taken Ruschenta under his wind, so to speak, um, and taught him, uh, taught her, sorry, at Yale, I believe. Yeah, because she were, well, she did a lot of travelling, didn't she? She was kind of she fled uh, Germany after some was it the war? Uh, yeah, I think it was just before the war, but it was the rise of national socialism. Yeah, and she kind of went over to the USSR and she did Scandinavia, really 
quite strange places. And then she ended up in Mexico City where she met Paul Hindemith. I mean, what are the chances? Um, I just thought, what a, what a strange full circle moment it feels like for this project that we've done these two composers that have worked so closely together. Um, so anyway, back to Ruth Chantal. Uh, three of the four pieces that we chose for this project showed the importance of the piano for Chantal's kind of compositional style, let's say. Um, was there any particular reason that you chose the pieces you chose? You chose um, the Sonata Quasi Un Imprivazione and String Quartet Number no. 3. And also, I can't speak Italian, so <laughs> that's the best you're probably going to get. Yeah. <laughs> I chose both these pieces because they seem to be her, her most popular pieces, should we say. Although she's quite rarely uh, performed or recorded, um, these pieces seem to speak to people the most. I think also uh, piano played such a key role in her music because she was herself a pianist um, and she performed a uh, lot as a professional musician and perhaps that's why she felt a connection to piano itself as an instrument. Yeah, I think as well, with the, especially with the two pieces you chose and kind of the, the messages behind them and the sonata being kind of somewhat improvised and giving the, the artist a, a real kind of grasp on the art artistry behind it I guess do you think that played a part in your choice at all yeah definitely it was a really uh quite a unique approach should we say that she'd create this piece but gave uh, a very sort of it gave full control almost over to the performer itself which meant I guess that every time the piece is performed it's it sounds different, which is also quite interesting. Yeah, and also quite a very exciting prospect of hearing something different every time you hear it. You know, something that came about during kind of the minimalist era and people doing stuff like that, you're never ever the same, really, is it? Yeah. And that's quite exciting. Definitely. I mean, in contrast, I chose two pieces that, that don't do that, that are very set in stone. I chose the piano piece called Self-Portrait of the Artist as an Older Woman, um, which I thought was quite similar to the the sonata you chose in terms of kind of style, but it was more, it's obviously written out and more set in stone. And then I chose um, the sonata for clarinet and piano. And I think I chose that one because um, there was actually a little bit of information I could, and recordings I could actually listen to for it. But also because we were doing so much piano, I'd quite, I just wanted to, any other instrument would have been brilliant <laughs> at that point. And that one popped up and I thought, what a nice piece of music, actually. And it's used, that one's used probably quite a lot for exams, mm, I've heard. Um, so, again, four very interesting choices. Um, all chamber music as well, which I think after the Strauss month is a nice contrast because we did quite a lot of orchestral music. Um, and so I, th I kind of thought that all four of these works were linked to Schoenthal's really interesting use of dissonance and harmony and, and structure and stuff like that. So, for example, the kind of aggressive opening of self-portrait that I did, um, I thought was really striking um, and hones back to, you know, the opening to some of Beethoven's overtures, really mm. quite shocking dissonance. You think, what, what on earth's going on here? To kind of the fragility and the memorial side of the string quartet, which I thought was really poignant, personally, anyway, I did. Um, what kind of draws you into her music? Yeah, I, d I definitely agree with uh, her use of dissonance. It makes her music very, um, it gives a great weight to her music. Um, but I'd say particularly her use of, of emptiness or, or silence within her music. Um, particularly in the string quartet, you notice that uh, the silence plays as important role as, as the notes themselves. And it creates sort of a greater, a greater weight or a greater um, depth, should we say, to her music. Absolutely. I think, you know, I'd really like to talk about this string quartet a bit further, actually, because it was probably the, my favourite one that we looked at. I really, 
really enjoyed listening to it. I really enjoyed reading about it and the, the history behind it. And um, it's kind of subtitled In Memoriam Holocaust. Um, do you, what do you know about that? part of it um so Ruth Schoenthal herself has Jewish ancestry and her um, her family and herself fled uh, Hamburg um in the 30s as uh, national socialism was rising so obviously this is quite a, a personal topic that will have affected people she knew uh, and her family herself um I find it really interesting that she she was very much against using this topic for for her own composition she was really wary of turning uh, something as devastating as the Holocaust into something so frivolous or something that became kind of a, mm. a commercial product. Uh, what what would you say? Yeah, I would agree. I think it's, yeah, when I was reading about it, it was very much a case that she didn't want it to be a commercial thing and she wanted to do it because it was important to her mm. and she thought it was important that she did that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, read, just reading about it and... For example, at the end of the at the end of the quartet, there's she kind of weaves in a prayer at the end, and there was a really interesting quote that she said about the prayer, saying that she just wanted the listener to to understand and to kind of experience what it was like just for that thirty seconds of the music. And if she's if that if she's able to do that, then she's done her job right, basically. And it's it's re I find that really interesting about how she's she's weaved religion into there. She's weaved various experiences from her own life and from obviously family members and friends and stuff um and but still remaining very poignant in the way that mm. she's written it um the kind of intricate string writing and like you say the silences speak louder than a lot of the notes actually there was and she does that with some of the other pieces as well it was yeah. kind of big explosions and then silence and then big explosions and then silence and i yeah i felt i felt the string quartet was really um i don't know really illustrative mm. of of that and you felt that yeah. kind of because we, we were speaking earlier about like um visiting concentration camps which I found really interesting mm -hmm. I've never been to one myself but you have and you were saying that the when you walked in the air felt different even yeah. though it was ex it was just through a door mm -hmm. it was the same air you were breathing outside but when you walked in you felt something do you think that Chantal has managed to do something like that with this piece of music. Yeah, I definitely say, or at least personally, I found that uh, when when listening to her music, um, it was one of those pieces where you, you just have to listen to it and let it let it run its course, and you you felt very very poignant, very it was very emotive, and it's not an easy piece to listen to. I would say it's not a piece you listen to, and it it, it doesn't make you happy. It doesn't make you calm even it, it makes you quite I found it made me quite tense mm. um, I think it made me quite aware mm. I felt quite um alert to that I yeah. quite I became quite alert to history and it, it I was thinking about lots of different things and I mean because I, I do that for a job like I look at the past a yeah. lot but that in particular when I was just I was I was out in public like in a cafe, and I was listening to it, and I thought, Christ, this is really intense. Mm. And when I was reading about it, I I understood more what she was doing, yeah. and the kind of things she was doing with the instruments. You yeah. know, the solo, the solo cello prelude at the start, which is really haunting and really evocative of could be anything at that point. But when they she starts weaving the the other instruments in, I just thought it was absolute magic, and yeah. I really, really enjoyed that piece. So thank mm. you for choosing that because I thought it was actually out of most of the pieces we've covered, one of the best ones, I think. I yeah. really genuinely really liked it. And I, 
I think that if you haven't listened to it yet, you should definitely listen to it. Because, but only when you kind of in a good place to do yeah. so. I wouldn't just listen to it in the car. Probably not very uh, good for that. But no. I think it's a very interesting piece of music. So, with that in mind, um, and all the other stuff that we've done in mind, um, why do you think that Ruth Schoenthal is relevant today? That's a very, very good question. Um, I think Ruth Schoenthal is so is is still relevant today mainly because of uh, her role as a, as a teacher and how she sort of has influenced other artists. Interestingly, um, during research, we discovered that she'd uh, taught uh, Stephanie Gervinotta, also known as Lady Gaga. Amazing. And this is a, a very bizarre connection, but it's very interesting because it, it kind of uh, illustrates how Ruth Chantal was one of those composers that didn't want to be confined to one, one genre or set in a box, should we say. She was able to impart musical wisdom to others in completely different genres that have also become artists that are able to do more than one thing. Although she's mainly known for pop, she's uh, Lady Gaga, this is, she's also released a jazz album and she has a lot of a musical skill herself. I think her kind of role as a, a female composer in this and teaching others has definitely kind of shaped music. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think she's still relevant through others. It, you know, I think it's really sad that quite a lot of her music is seldom performed, let alone recorded. I mean, we we struggled really picking ones that had recordings to them, didn't we, really? Yeah. And that's, I think, why we had quite a lot of piano music, because there was a couple of pianists who recorded a load of her music, and that's why we have them. Um, but, yeah, I think... I don't want to say her music is not relevant because I don't think that's the case, but I, I agree. And I think it's her teachings. It's her, the way that, where she, you know, her life, the the journey she took, her mm. being a female as well in that kind of time has been really difficult. Um, her links to Paul Hindemith, her style, you know, we were talking about her use of kind of Brahms, you know, mm. being inspired by Brahms and Hindemith and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think she is relevant through her experience yeah, her definitely. experiences as a musician um and I think her music is great yeah. you know and there's no doubt about it but it's I think it's it's to a taste for sure and I mm. think that might be why um but I'm hoping that you know in due course more of her music will be recorded it is mostly chamber music or solo piano music or songs she wrote songs as well for voice but I think it's all worth doing and all worth exploring so I hope there's someone out there you know uh, you're doing a PhD on it or something like that, because I'm sure it'd be super interesting. Um, so next month, we'll be looking into the birthday boy himself, <laughs> uh, Ludwig van Beethoven, and some of his most popular orchestral and chamber works, including Symphony 5, which will be really exciting, um, Prometheus Overture we're doing, um, as a piano trio, which I'm really excited to do, and even more, because it's a big month. And... Um, I just wondered, are you looking forward to doing Beethoven? Yeah, definitely. Quite a contrast uh, from Ruth Schoenthal. Um, but it's, it's going to be really interesting to look at his music, his classics, should we say, for perhaps Symphony Number no. 5 in a, in a new light, give them sort of a, a refresh. Absolutely. I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, it's his, it's his anniversary month, so we couldn't not do him, I don't <laughs> think. Um, so Freya will be back with me next month to talk all things Beethoven and how we've been tying up our German-speaking musical greats project because this is our last one. This is our last month, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm really sad. I've really enjoyed it. I, I know, I, you know, I hope you guys have as well. It's been really great having Freya in doing translations and podcasts with me. I'm going to be quite lonely, I think, when you go. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so join us next month when we talk all things Beethoven. 
I'd like to thank Freya Riding for joining me on this podcast, Ross Davidson for mastering the podcast, and Ben Gaunt for composing the brand new Classical Alex Burns jingle. You've been listening to episode six of Conversations with a Musicologist. Keep up to date with the Classical Alex Burns 365 Challenge by visiting the website and remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a beat. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.